the lean model of scaling a business and of building a product is to iterate, right? But it's all about data. There's clear outcomes in mind of, okay, let's look at a certain process. We want to do things a certain way. Why? So it's what is the end goal? What are we trying to achieve with this? And then if you start to iterate and you're able to effectively communicate to your team why you might want to iterate or get feedback from the team that helps you iterate is because of needing to get closer to achieving that goal, then that's why you should iterate, right? You should be changing the process to get continuously better and better and better. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Autopilot Recruiting. Join over 1,200 State Farm agents in putting your recruiting on Autopilot. Any successful insurance agent will tell you how important team is. Finding those rock star team members doesn't happen when left to chance. It happens through consistent recruiting. You never know when you're going to lose a team member. And the key to an incredible team is constantly searching for the best talent. Autopilot Recruiting is a continuous recruiting service where you'll be assigned a recruiter that has been trained to recruit on your behalf every business day. This recruiter will take over and revamp your career plug, send out assessments, do pre-screened phone interviews, and schedule your in-office interviews. All you need to do is to show up and give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. This ongoing service is extremely affordable and a no-brainer for taking your insurance agency to the next level. Listeners of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast, go to autopilotrecruiting.com and use the code CLUBCAPITAL to get started. Again, autopilotrecruiting.com and use the code CLUBCAPITAL to get started. All right, so what you guys got on the docket for the day? What topics you guys got, David? I'll kick it over to Mike. I feel like he's got his topic prepared, ready to roll. <laughs> I don't know. All I keep hearing from David is I just keep building the team, moving around, moving these people here, moving these people over here, <laughs> shuffling things around. Sharing with Bradley, we got third office. We're opening up here June first, and uh, yeah, building the team. Hiring the team, training the team, all those, all the things right now. So, <laughs> David, in the end, whenever everything is live, how many people will you have on your team now? We'll have four in Bethesda. We'll have probably three in Potomac, another three in Potomac. And so that gets me to 10 sales and then another four on service. And then, so that's 14. So we'll probably be between like 15 to 20. We've got leaders and, and sales and service. Mm-hmm. All right. So I got a question about that. Okay. Mike, is, you guys have obviously seen it a little bit too with Club Capital, but you've had to go from, I mean, the number that I've always had in the back of my mind about how many people one person can have report to them is six. I think that that actually came from the Navy SEALs came up with that and some other people have kind of shared that. Mm-hmm. So you've had to obviously start going to where you are leading leaders. Right? So you're leading leaders who then lead other people. What has been some of the biggest learnings that you've had? I think there's a reason that number six, too, by the way. It's just, if you ever, maybe 
coming out of, uh, I think it's like Malcolm Gladwell book, but it, it, we're hardwired to only be close to six close friends and family and 150 acquaintances. You ever heard those numbers before? No. Uh, go down a little science path for you for a second, but every social mammal, if you want to think about it, has a different brain size based on the number of social capacity that they're able to essentially interact with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're one of the most intelligent animals, right? So ours is pre-wired to have 150 acquaintances and we can have six close friends or family. Hmm. Um, so it just makes it interesting from a management perspective of maybe that's why you can't have more than six direct reports, right? And adequately take care of them. So just that number has come up before. So it's kind of interesting. Who are the six, David? We want to know who's in the David <laughs> inner circle. That's what we want to know. Put it on the podcast. These are my six. Everybody else, you're on the outer rung. (laughs) So I don't know if we want to go down like a total rabbit hole. David's got a business plan off of this six and 150. He's got his whole new social network that he wants to create based on six and 150. Like screw the current social media models that are out there today. And it's almost like a, a build it off of that, build it off of this like, not necessarily exclusivity, but you do it based upon kind of the science. When you do it based upon the science, it actually creates this exclusivity behind it. If you limit your social networks to only allow 150 connections instead of, to be honest, I don't think any of the three of us are actually big social media people. You know, we utilize social media for work and things like that, but I think generally we're not big social media people. That being said, how many friends do you, you know, we all have Facebook accounts. How many friends are on there? I don't know, probably a thousand or more, right? And something like that, 500, it's a lot. It's definitely people I don't talk to all the time, right? Yeah. And so this idea of like, hey, if you you have to cap it at X, first off, it'd be a lot more tailored content. You're kicking out, right? So if you want to to add Bradley, you're 151, who's not, who's moving, right? (laughs) So just a different different set. But, and Bradley, you probably have heard you talk about this on the podcast, but going back to that six, we all get, we're the average of our five closest friends from Mm -hmm. happiness, wealth. I hear that over and over again. So it just makes sense when you kind of link in that science component to it from, from, from what I've heard as well. It does. It does. There's actually somebody I was thinking two things. One, there was a TikTok or YouTube or probably both star that went to something in Vegas, a conference. And I don't know who it is. I couldn't remember, but they were using it as representation that this person had several million followers on social media, but they had not made any deep connections. And so this person has all these people whenever they're doing live streaming or whatever. And they went to this conference and they were going to set up and they were going to have this booth and they were expecting thousands of people to line up to get an autograph and a picture. And apparently there was five people that showed up (laughs) seriously. And so what they were saying is, is that that's fine to have that, but they had not developed any true meaningful conversation, like connections with their audience at all. And I thought that that was just, I don't know, it really sat with me quite a bit to say, you can't have a million people that just adore you. I mean, there's a handful of people like Oprah, The Rock, et cetera. But at the end of the day, social media has created this kind of weird place to where these people have a lot of followers, but nobody is going to actually show up, go out of their way, drive, fly to go see this person, even though they've got a million followers. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's, it's like, uh, this kind of goes into my business idea. So Micah, thanks for bringing this up. <laughs> but 
I think it kind of in the social media companies were built upon eyeballs and audience and distracting us, right? And not about how we're actually socially wired. So that's, I think, to your point, that's why you have so much like teen depression and so, so, so many people have issues yeah. with social media because they have, they're trying to get all these eyeballs or try to get this big audience, but they don't have any true connection with those eyeballs or that audience, right? Exactly. Um, I think that's the whole issue with it, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to do this real time. I'm actually kind of curious because I have this on one of my topics I wanted to discuss. I've got this framework called chaos, C-A-O-S, chaos. Okay. So chaos stands for concept, audience, offer, sales, concept, audience, offer, sales. So this has been really helpful for me because I really like frameworks. I have to try to like get my hands around something. So I like to try to go back to a framework. So I've got this business idea, which I'll probably share on the podcast at some point myself. And so this has helped me to kind of go through, I literally in my notebook, write down what's the concept of the business concept as in like, I can tell somebody this is what it is and they get it. They're like, okay, I got it. That's cool. Audience. Who is the audience? I mean, you guys have heard who's your avatar, who's your dream client avatar, who's your ideal client avatar, your ICA, whatever. Who are you trying to target? Offer. What's the thing that somebody has a credit card that can actually buy? What are you actually selling? Is it a service? Is it a product? What is it? What's your pricing structure around that? And then sales is, okay, cool. We got the concept. We know who you're targeting. We know what the offer is. How are you actually going to get sales? So it gets into what's your marketing strategy and then what's your sales system that you're going to have? What do you guys think about that framework? I think having frameworks like that, though, are incredibly helpful, right? I think a lot of times people will sit down and think of a business idea and try and wing it, right? But I mean, those are the fundamental things of a business plan right there. I mean, there's a, a business plan pretty complex, but you can boil it down to those four steps right there to understand, okay, what is it? How are we going to go about finding an audience and selling it, right? So makes sense. Yeah. So David, what's the concept of your social media company? <laughs> I really didn't think we were going to get down this path today, but I'm, I'm game if you want. This is truly hypothetical, right? It's not something I'm like actively. <laughs> no, he's actually taking investors, folks. We're, we're going to, we're actually going through, we're going through a seed round. So if you'd actually like to invest in the social media company, it's David at. <laughs> I think technically, though, disclaimer here: this is not something he is actively. Yeah. Uh, he is Full disclaimer, he's not doing it. For people listening, is, he's not doing this. This, uh, is, not outside, right this is not outside business activity. Right <laughs> yeah, so what's the concept? Is that what you're asking in, in this hype? Yeah, what's the business? concept? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, David, don't be afraid to talk about it, right? It's all about execution. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess I'll start with that too. Just like then uh, Bradley, maybe this is, this is something that's helped me. And Micah, I think we've shared this on our team, but there's a million different ideas out there whether it's inside your current business or new businesses, et cetera, right? But, and I stole this, most of the things say or <laughs> or share, but like uh, the one guy shared that the business idea is the idea multiplied by the execution or the implementation, and that's the value of the idea, right? That's really just helped me with some of these things, right? Let's say going through that framework, you identify it's a million dollar market, okay? It, well, if you only implement it 10%, that's how you get the true value of what this business idea is, right? So that's only a $100,000 idea if you implement 10% on a million-dollar idea, right? So that's just been helpful is just in terms of thinking about things. It gets multiplied by the implementation. 
So you can have the biggest idea out there, but if you implement it one percent, it's not going to be not going to end up to be very much. Okay. All right. So this is good because we're going to go down this path. So it's idea mm-hmm. times implementation times implementation, right? So Equals the value of the idea. Okay. The business. Man, this is good. You keep talking because I'm going to pull something up. Okay. I want you to see something I've got. No joke. You've actually given me a formula now to go for with success a max, with a maximum. This is good. We're doing this. This is why a fireside chat actually is really good because I'm going to pull this up and I'm going to show you something so you can actually see it. So who would the audience be? Well, so we covered concept, right? Did we cover concept? We covered concept or is that? Concept is a social media company for what? For what? What did you say? For what? Yeah. So define the concept there. Yeah, I'm going to hash some of this out you know, as we go. Again, this isn't fully fleshed. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. This was like uh, Mike over there, a cup of coffee. I'm like, hey, I got this idea. Somebody should do this, right? <laughs> That's what this conversation is. We're at the middle of the day. We're having a beer. <laughs> I think it would just be as opposed to a social media company that is indefinite. You can have a the whole game is to get as many followers as you can, et cetera. I would limit it to six close, call them family or intimate friends, whatever you want to name them, right? And then 150 acquaintances that you're able to have. And then based on that, you would come up with some type of rating system where if The Rock, you mentioned him earlier, follows you, that's weighted heavier than somebody else. So now all of a sudden you have this social dynamic where you're trying to acquire, there could be different metrics for this, but the 150 best acquaintances, not a million average or per se acquaintances. So now you have this social game, which takes place in our society anyway, where you're trying to get the best followers, your closest friends, et cetera, so you can build up your influence. So your message truly matters based on your 150 followers, based on the content that you put out there. Maybe a little bit of a true serum, so you're just not blasting out to a million people, but there's a rating system to you and your friend group, and it's a competitive thing, right? To see who can I think it was some of what you talked about, too, is trying to have blend kind of like Facebook and LinkedIn, right? Or something like that, right? So that it's not just... Because a lot of times, I guess I can't say this per se, but especially on Facebook, it tends to be a personal profile, even when people try to use it for business, right? And then LinkedIn is generally nothing but business, right? And so on LinkedIn, you'll have your own set of followers, but then on Facebook, you might not be connected to like 90% of those people, right? That you're connected to on LinkedIn. It's just so different. What have you truly created in this mindset of or framework of six and 150, right? They have to cross both, right? You don't have a whole set of just business acquaintances over here and then a whole set of just personal over here. It's what if you had to pick 150 across both? There could be a subcategory for your celebrities that have a million you know, other ones, but then they also, you know, their 150 is what. There's some rating system for that, right? But who those 150 are, right? (laughs) I think I kind of agree with you, though, that naturally, the more that I think about this, I do think that there's a way. Now, some people would, it would cause maybe potentially a little bit of rift if somebody, you'd have to think (laughs) through this where I'm in, I consider you part of my six, but you don't consider me part of your six kind of thing. (laughs) I think that creates the whole dynamic, right? (laughs) Well, that's what I said. I'm like, David, you're you're really trying to go down a social experiment here. (laughs) I don't know if this this is going to be good at the end. (laughs) At the same, well, I think the argument there is 
has social media <laughs> been a positive anyway? I mean, there's certain good things that it's that you can list off a number of good things, right? But I think it's pretty easy to list off a number of bad things too. So this is this is why we get to in chaos. We just stopped at concept. This is a bad concept. <laughs> or if you're using David's formula, idea. It's a one. Okay. <laughs> That's a full on go. No, no, I'm just kidding, David. I'll give you a real quick additional on the concept. I think part of this is, you know, you have a social rank. You should also, just like Uber ranks you as a customer, I think you should have a consumer ranking because I think it's lopsided right now that as consumers, you're able to review a business, but the business doesn't get to review you. Man, that is so good. There should be a universal, not like in the app for Uber, but a universal consumer business rating, right? So this kind of all factors into this idea of like, I think it kind of gets into a social experiment. Maybe China's trying to do this. I think they're they're doing something like this where they're ranking every citizen, right? But it's kind of like gamifying what we want to gamify, right? (laughs) Hey, am I not mistaken that I think Airbnb does this? So obviously Mm -hmm. you're ranking. They also rank you too, and Uber does it, I think. Right. So I think that they are mm-hmm. starting to do that. Yes, that is a good idea because, man, there are absolutely customers and clients that you can go F, <laughs> F, we drop you right now. But that makes sense. Everybody has the customers. It's like, man, goodness, they're not the best customers. The best customers refer, they'll leave testimonials for you, and they pay the best prices. I mean, they just are. If you could just replicate those clients across the board. And so I think that there's actually something to that, David. I agree with you. Well, on that one. Or they're just nice people, right? I mean, we've all had interactions with clients that you go, oh my gosh, this was a horrible interaction with a person, let alone a client, right? And so unfortunately that you have those, right? Not necessarily that you want to do anything right away, right off the bat, but We've all been in situations where possibly a disgruntled client will put up a review against your business and the business really doesn't can't do much, mm-hmm. right? You have nothing to do there besides respond on this social media type platform, some sort of canned language normally, right? <laughs> as much as you want to be able to address them or something, a lot of times there's context to situations that as a business, you don't want to put yourself in saying that, right? In, in some sort of argument yeah. on some social media channel, but there's no way to, what if there was a rating on that person that put that where, oh, 70 other businesses rated this person a two. <laughs> right? Seems like they're the problem at the businesses, right? hundred percent. That's a good point. There's a new cocktail place in Auburn. It's in Session Cocktails, I believe, something like that. And I knew it was in Tuscaloosa and now it's in Auburn and they're expanding. I think they're going to go to to Oxford. Real high end for a college town. I mean, it's really, really nice. And I was looking at the reviews. I don't know why a friend of mine sent it to me. And so I was looking at it and they were all pretty amazing, except this one was awful. And it was really attacking the manager of basically saying, you guys, we waited 45 minutes and you saw somebody that you liked and you put them in front of us and all that sort of thing. A couple of things with that. One is the manager, or I guess the owner, responded to that comment with a pretty nice, long message that said, hey, thanks so much for taking the time. Sorry you had that experience, et cetera. I read that and I thought, man, that's awesome that they took the time to respond to that. 
Because if that negative review just sat there and they didn't respond to it and they only responded to the positive ones, you'd be like, well, you're kind of sticking your head in the sand. And to the point we're talking about with customers, what if there was a way for that restaurant or whatever to almost say, hey, you know what? This person, in this case, let's say that they were just completely obliterated. They got drunk. They caused an issue. They broke stuff inside. They would want everybody to know, hey, we're just not going to let that customer back in as an example. Like, we're just not going to do business with that customer. So they can leave negative reviews or whatever. I think that there is something to that, that not that the business needs to be able to fight back per se, but at the same time, the customer is not always right. You know, that saying, like, I don't agree with that saying at all. I just don't. They're not always right. There's a great way to be able to treat people, but sometimes customers, they just will go off and say things that are just not fair to the business and can actually be really hurtful to the company. So I'm in on this idea. There's a Latin phrase for this too. And I think I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it, but Mike, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. <laughs> we used to be in this world where it was very much, it's called the caveat emptor, right? Which is buyer beware. Okay. And now with social media and customer choice and et cetera, now it's like caveat venditor where it's like seller beware. So those are the two Latin phrases for it somehow. I don't know how that came to be, but those are the two things. And we've kind of shifted to that. Obviously, customer, especially you know any business owner I think you talk to you know, with Yelp, and it's really shifted heavily to the consumer, right? So it's almost like balancing out that power where it's like both parties get the rate, just like on Uber, just like on Airbnb, right? <laughs> I agree. I think that there's actually something to that. Okay, I got a topic I want to talk to you guys about. Micah, I thought we could talk about this one without giving away too much, but there's a bigger concept. Here's what I was thinking, iterating along the way. David, I sent you a Loom video that was kind of an update of something that we're going to be doing and launching here pretty soon with the podcast. And Mike, it was making me think you and I've had some really good chats and the team has been working for the last 30 days or so on some stuff. And we've made a pivot, right? We've kind of iterated from what we were initially going to do. And I'm just kind of curious, where do we think that the balance is of iterating along the way, making slight pivots and improving, and then at times say, man, we're just jumping from one thing to the next to the next. Does that make sense, Micah? You need to kind of stick with something. So when people talk about iterating or pivoting, that's looked at in a positive way. But then if you just keep switching things, you don't actually make forward momentum. So I think the example we've recently had where we've kind of decided to switch platforms just a little bit to make it a little easier to access. Those were good moves. And I feel like that that is iterating versus we're not just completely abandoning the idea. So I think there's a couple aspects to this. I think it's really important that as a leader of a team that you don't seem all over the place (laughs) and that you don't know what's going on, right? And I think if you do just change up stuff very frequently, you can risk looking that way, right? Unless it's done the right way or for the right reasons, right? Because you don't want to seem like, all right, now it's just another change and here we go. What are we doing here? (laughs) What's the path, right? Where I think iterating on things and really the lean model of scaling a business and of building a product is to iterate, right? But it's all about data. There's clear outcomes in mind of, okay, let's look at a certain process. We want to do things a certain way. Why? So it's what is the end goal? What are we trying to achieve with this? And then if you start to iterate, 
and you're able to effectively communicate to your team why you might want to iterate or get feedback from the team that helps you iterate is because of needing to get closer to achieving that goal, then that's why you should iterate, right? You should be changing the process to get continuously better and better and better. Review what's working now, what's going well, what's not, where should we be making changes, right? That helps us get to or surpass the the goals and targets that we have. And so I think it's very healthy to iterate, but you have to do so on a regular cadence, right? If you're just doing things kind of all over the place without no set kind of timeline, it it can be very hard for the team to kind of get behind this because they just feel like they're always changing stuff, right? And even for yourself, it's like, wait, what am I working on now, right? But if on a regular cadence, you're looking at things and evaluating and saying, is what we're doing right now working? What's going well? What's not? Is it helping us really achieve the goal that we want? Is there things that we could be doing differently? Right. And if you identify those, yeah, change. Don't just be kind of the way large businesses have been looked at in the past, right? It takes them a year to be able to change what they're doing. Change what you're doing now. If you can do so kind of on this more of like a lean method and be able to do a quick change, adapt and get to where you want to be quicker. I mean, I think iterating and changing is very much necessary and very capable for small businesses to be able to do that. And if they don't do that, I think they're not that they need to be changing everything that they're doing, but I think small businesses are very poised to be able to achieve their goals, I think, quicker because they're able to be a little bit more nimble and quick. Yeah. I mean, I know, David, I know you iterate certainly a bit on your end and try different models and see what's working. If it's not working, okay, let's go back to the drawing board, right? And that might be quarterly, right? might be like, all right, let's test something out for a quarter. I mean, something has to, you know, you do need to test things out. (laughs) What's that? I said it depends on the situation. (laughs) Right. I mean, you might need to have to make a quick change. But but, I mean, I think generally you've got to be able to make quick decisions, right? As a leader, you should be able to do that driven by results and outcomes. Let the data kind of speak for itself self of whether something's working or not. Bradley, yeah. this kind of like, I think Micah said this, but it kind of goes, I think it's in stages and Micah kind of hit on all these points, but first it starts out with goals, right? So we all have goals in mind and trying to achieve those goals, we run into problems. Hitting those problems, you diagnose the problem and then you, you make an iteration to get closer to that goal line, right? And no matter what that goal is, you're always kind of going through this iteration cycle of that, trying to get closer and closer to that goal line. It's maybe just a different kind of process to, to think about it. I think we're always iterating. You're never exactly hitting your goals, right? You're either over, you're under. So you're always kind of like in that circle loop of what's the problem, diagnosis, what do we need to get close to the line? What's the problem, yeah. diagnosis, how are we getting close to the line? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting. I can look back. I came across a Google document from about two and a half years ago. And I was looking at it and I thought, man, it's pretty amazing how much my thoughts have changed and skills have leveled up. I could see then what I was trying to accomplish, but then I just didn't have the perspective that I do now on certain things, whether it's the concept of the business, who I was trying to target, what the pricing structure was going to be, et cetera. It was like, I can look back now and draw a straight line, but at the time I couldn't, but yet it was all of those little things stacking on top of one another over the last two and a half years in this particular case that has really I don't know. It's pretty cool. They all were directionally correct, but I wouldn't have known them what I know now. 
that's all. I mean, but anyway, all right. I got one last thing. So have you guys been playing with AI? Any, what tool have you played around with? Chat GBT. Yeah. Micah, what about you? Same. We have a login for the business and I actually just heard they're coming out with like a business login. Yeah. They're coming out with it so that it's for business. So many people are starting to use it that they're going to have an enterprise version so that we as business owners could purchase it and then add our team to it as well. I also saw an article today that their large company is like shutting it down, that their employees can't use it because there's a data breach or something like that. They're maybe putting things in chat GPT that they shouldn't, right? (laughs) I think is is what happened there. So this type of what's happening in AI is moving wildly fast. So it's it's not surprising that some things are going <laughs> to not go it's the right way. Needs to catch up quick on this. <laughs> it seems like what? There needs to be regulation on it quickly. <laughs> so. Yeah. When you have some of the brightest minds, I feel like living minds saying that this is one of the biggest inventions since electricity. <laughs> yeah. There probably needs to be regulation around it. <laughs> and at first, people were saying the biggest invention since internet and then they're kind of going past that now they're like no it was like way past internet and <laughs> saying a lot of people will i mean just what it's capable of is people losing jobs and being able to do things that you pay people for sounds really super interesting and what i did hear about it though right now is as powerful as it is it's still at such early stages not to discount it by any means but the applications are a mile wide Right. I mean, you could use it everywhere, but they're really about an inch deep on in each application right now. Right. Which is still to say they've done quite a bit. And that's the exciting part, though, is how broad of a spectrum like you're going to be able to pack. So I think it's really cool. We started to dabble with it a little bit on our end. Just quick stuff like that we've done is like email responses and things like that coming up with email responses for clients coming up with. I mean, we're super interested in it. We've been playing around with um, things like looking up certain tax code. And bottom line, it's just a better Google, right? If people out there don't think that their account is Google things, I mean, <laughs> we're just as human as anyone else, right? And if you need to look something up, um, a lot of times you'll, you'll Google certain codes or things like that to make sure that you're finding, you know, doing the right thing or finding some of the right tax savings for people. And so we've been testing it out on like, you know, looking at if it can come up with the right codes or, or the right reasoning behind why X, Y, or Z needs to be done on a tax return. And it's been accurate, like to a T. <laughs> and it's done it very well, where yeah. if you Google something, you still got to do, you know, your own research, generally. You know, and so kind of read through the articles and stuff like that and find stuff. And Google is getting better and better, obviously, and they're going to release their own here soon. <laughs> But what we found with ChatGPT is it just it just does an amazing job of like sifting through the information and presenting you exactly what you need to know in very like paragraph form, like without you going to do it. So it's, it's been super interesting. And I mean, in essence, on our end, we've been like fact checking it though, right? We've been like, all right, let's look up some things and then let's let's make sure that's right. Either some things that we know are right that we look up and. We're like, okay, cool. It's, bring, it's pulling up the right stuff or some things that we don't know. And then we go fact check ourselves. But it's been amazing from what we've seen thus far. I've just ran in certain sales emails or sales texts and you can put in whatever product or service you're offering and you know, say, write me a text message or write me an email on this thing. And it's pretty wild how 
detailed and accurate it is, right? It's uh, amazing. Or recommendations, right? What should I, you know, have for this? And it will give you a pretty accurate recommendation, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> So there's two things with this. I had somebody send me a text message asking if I could create something like a letter basically and send to them. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that and send it to them. So normally that would have been get back to number one, I'd had to put it on my to-do list, Mm -hmm. right? Because I mean, I could have given it to Lauren, my EA, but I was like, she wouldn't have context. And so I literally, and I was thinking, okay, I got to put on my to do this. I got to go back to the office. I got to type it out. I got to do this. I got the whole thing would have taken me maybe 30 minutes to do, maybe something like that. So I thought I was standing in line at Kava, this place kind of like Chipotle. It's Bethesda place. And I said, that's a Bethesda born business. It was started here. Man, Kava's awesome. (laughs) Kava is awesome. I should just buy stock in Kava because I eat there enough to make sure the stock does well. It's awesome. But anyway, So no joke, I took the text message and I thought, I'm just going to see what this thing could do. So I took it, copied the text message, threw it in chat GPT and said, help me out here. That's what I said. That was the prompt. And it spit this answer out. I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. I hit the copy. I put it in a Google Doc, took the Google Doc because it needed my signature, took the Google Doc, saved it on my phone, sent it to GoodNotes, signed it with my finger on my phone and send it to her in a PDF. The whole process was three minutes. I was standing in line of coffee. I hadn't even ordered. And I thought, man, that's amazing. I got this context I want to share with you guys and we'll wrap up. So I had somebody share this with me. So this is not an original Bradley thought, but I thought it was amazingly fascinating. And they said, if you pay attention to US presidential elections, now the person telling me this is an Australian who lives in London. And so he knows a lot about presidential elections. And he said, if you go all the way back to, obviously, we call these fireside chats. So ironically, he said, if you go all the way back to the fireside chats of Franklin Roosevelt, those are like in the 30s or so. That was the moment that radio overtook newspapers because he used the fireside chats to help him get elected. Fast forward a number of years. And in the 1960 presidential debate between Kennedy and Nixon, that's the moment TV overtook radio because Kennedy was so much better in that debate than Nixon was. He smashed him. Nixon was sweating. Literally, people saw that. And so that was the moment that TV overtook radio. Fast forward to 2008, and then the next big U.S. presidential thing happened, and that was Obama using social media. That was the first time that social media had really come on, and Obama used it, obviously, to help him get elected. Fast forward to 2016, and when the Trump campaign used data, data analytics, I mean, obviously, everything with Cambridge Analytica and all that sort of thing. Look, nobody write me in about politics. This is not about politics. It's about looking at the presidential elections. And then now in 2024, next year, what's going to be present? AI. AI is going to impact the 2024 presidential elections because there's already been videos and pictures of presidential candidates that are not real. People have used AI to create things of different people being 
whether it's arrested or doing things. And you're like, wait a minute. So here's what it comes down to. We're going to get to where with AI moving forward, we're not going to be able to trust our eyes and our ears. Up to this point, we've been able to do that. Now I have to go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Is that actually Bradley doing that? And I'll just tell you guys, Ali, kudos to you on this. He sent me something and said, hey, got this idea. I want to test it. He used something. Ali, tell me what it is. I don't know what the software was. He used something that he fed into an AI, my voice, sent it back to me and said, hey, what do you think about this? I was like, wow, that is unbelievable. To the point to where it's pretty scary. Now, is it? I think people could pick up on it, but it was probably 90%. There's a few words I'll say that are pretty Southern that come out. It was unbelievable. So now I have to come on. You say some words that are Southern? (laughs) Some words that are Southern. You say some words that are not Southern. (laughs) Oh, okay. 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 (laughs) But anyway, to the point, well, I have to save that one. Okay. Well, for another one. But isn't that kind of cool to look back at the presidential elections and see these moments? Because here's the thing. Looking back on it, you mentioned earlier, and I agree with you. Social media is just not my thing. I mean, people could give me all the reasons why I need to be more active on social media. I don't need to hear it. I know. But if looking back on it, though, seriously, this is my thoughts on this. Looking back on it, if in that moment I would have said, man, this social media thing is really a deal and I would have gone all in on social media, how impactful would that have been in 2008 had I done that and paid attention to what Obama was doing? And I look at this now. And I was telling some people the other day, I'm not missing this wave. I get people are concerned about it and there's like, oh, where's this going to go? Look, I am going to build the businesses off the backs of chat GPT and AI, whether what people like it or not. There is something here. I'm not missing this wave. And so I don't know how to surf right now, but I'm going to learn how to surf. I'm not going to get dumped by the AI wave. I'm just not going to do it. And so my feeling is, is if I stay abreast to these tools, which may be another episode, we can talk about some of the tools I've looked at and actually used that are actually pretty amazing. I mean, chat GPT obviously being one of them, but there's several other ones. I think that that helps me to be able to be nimble so that that if there is disruption, I'm ahead of the curve and I can capitalize on that while there's an opportunity because I don't want to miss this wave. And so anyway, thought I'd share that. Thoughts? And we'll close it out. I'll give you a Two comments on that. First off, all the scams going on, right? So you can use the, the, the new tools for great power and also like great, you know, disruption, right? There's scams where they're copying your voice and calling your spouse and telling them to do X, Y, and Z with money or et cetera, right? That's all existing out there, right? But uh, to Micah's, I think Micah said, you, know, you just hinted at it. My idea is, you know, with new technology, I think presidential election campaigns fascinating to kind of hear about the new mediums and how they come up. But now it's like AI plus, right? It's going to help us do our jobs better. And it's like surface level. It knows a lot of things, but it's only surface level deep. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to take it into niches and really know the subject matter expertise and teach the AI along the way to get deep mm-hmm. into those niches. It's just like where I see mm-hmm. massive business opportunity, right? Because it can yeah. do a lot of yeah. these things, but it can't do some of the human things still. So there's probably some going deep on some of those things. Probably really good. I would think really good business opportunities. Yeah. Cool. Micah, final thoughts? I continue to be super excited about it. I think there are going to be the necessary amounts of regulation. They're going to have to work in there. You know, that is way over my head. But there's enough to be scared about with the things that it can do. 
as much as it can do. It's just crazy how easily and quickly people can use great things to do bad. <laughs> but it never ceases to amaze me. I think you're totally right about this upcoming. I'm not a very political person. I don't certainly enjoy talking about politics necessarily in a kind of a large scale. But in terms of how I think it'll impact this presidential election, I think 100%. There was a lot of disinformation in the last one. We started to get a taste of that, of, of just fake accounts, fake news, right? I mean, it was a big thing. I think this is going to be a whole new level, right? I mean, this is like auto-generated fake news that's just pumping out all the time. And it'll put some pressure, I think, on our kind of established, or maybe we'll find some new ways, but our established mediums for like finding truth or where we find reputable information and articles, things that we trust. It's amazing the things that are out there that just random new publications, things where it looks familiar, but because I, I know I've seen somewhere it looks like a normal regular article, but then I look at the name of the thing, I'm like, I've never heard of this newspaper or whatever it is. And it's really shocking. And I just think it's definitely going to be something that we see this year and I think it, it or next year. And it's going to be something that it'll push us, it'll challenge us, you know, I think as a, I mean, this is certainly global, but like push us as a country to probably look towards like, where do we find the actual truth, right? Where are the sources we go to, right? What are those, I guess, call it news outlets that we go to? They're going to be able to push forward to allow you know, a lot of the country to say, yes, I trust them. Are they going to become more powerful because people are starting to realize how much like misinformation is out there? Who knows? But yeah, I think you're right. Bradley, there's probably a whole business idea for you right there. It's uh, creating the trust source with how do you know which is the, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're, you're, you get a spam call from your spouse using AI voice. How do you verify, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. For a new Actually, for a new th- what about that right there? There's tons of plugins in your browser. Mm-hmm. I think I saw Facebook have something similar to this because they're really trying to combat fake news, right? And they were saying there would be some things that were, I forget how they did it. It'd be like a question mark on there when you would see like this might not be real. I think they started doing that on Facebook. What if you had a plugin on, say, Chrome that was like a scam AI plugin where the AI was trying to help tell you whether what you were reading was real or not? We're getting deep now. Right? Good AI, bad AI fighting against each other. Fighting against each other. What if the good AI that you turns on you and starts telling you <laughs> that the fake news you're reading is real? Yeah. about this, I'm sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, guys. I think that's the podcast. That was a good that's one. That's a wrap today. Yeah, all right. I think we covered a lot. This all started with, I think, a question about how many team members do you have? <laughs>